Ken Forrester, Executive Director at Momenta. Welcome to our Digital Thread Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momenta, they are deep industry operators. We hope you find these podcasts informative, and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day and welcome to episode 178 of our Momenta Digital Thread podcast series. Today, I'm pleased to host Sahail Jawani, Chief Product Officer of Kelvin AI, a company helping industrial customers to simply and quickly scale control applications that create sustainable business value. Prior to Kelvin, Suhail was Chief Product Officer at Honeywell, where he oversaw its overall software portfolio for connected industrials, as well as launching new trailblazing applications in the space of connected worker and remote industrial operations. Before that, Suhail spent over a decade building and leading innovative products in the space of industrial, and enterprise IoT, mobility, and analytics at Hitachi, Cisco, Samsung, IBM, and SAP. All great names. So, Sahil, welcome to our Digital Thread podcast today. Thanks, Ken, for having me in the podcast. I've been a big listener of the Digital Thread podcast for the last few months, and I'm really excited to be here today. Right. Well, we're very excited to have you, and I think caps off a great set of 100 and now 78 episodes that we've had. So looking forward to this conversation. Of course, you'll know being a listener, we always like to start off by asking what you would consider to be your digital thread. In other words, the one or more thematic threads that define your digital industry journey. That's a great question, actually. And, you know, everybody has a different story around that. And I really enjoy actually hearing those stories. If you ask me about my own digital thread, it has to start with, I would say, my first job. Straight out of the college, I was, I joined SAP. And in my career, you'll see even from the start, my focus has been more around building new innovative products, thinking out of the box to actually look into new transformational capabilities and how technology can help move us to the next steps. So even at SAP, my team was called, I was part of the team focused on customer relationship management product, but my focus was, my team was called CRM innovation and introduction team. And the focus was around how do we take the existing workflows of the CRM application and think about that in a new way to extend this to, for an example, to mobile phones. Smartphones for brand new can we allow uh, the salespeople to actually create leads, manage leads on their mobile phone, on a smartphone. We are talking about less than 100 enterprise applications on the App Store or Google Store for that matter during that time. We are talking about use cases that can integrate into say Facebook for loyalty management, with Twitter for automated service ticketing. So that has been kind of a bedrock for me to actually start thinking about how technology can have an impact on the daily life of our enterprise users. And that continued even after I left SAP to join IBM to work on the big data and then Samsung focusing on the new aspects of bring your own device, that BYOD strategy around how to leverage the concepts of security, mobile security, 
and the management, the mobile device management, and bake that in into a consumer-friendly and enterprise-friendly product that can be adopted by the customers worldwide. And this led me to learn more about the telemetry aspects of things, the sensory aspect of things right now. That led me to actually join Cisco. And that was the first favor of me learning more about the IoT, the industrial IoT, the smart retail, the smart city concepts of things. And that was a great experience there actually for me to learn about these thematic threads and how this digital transformation is helping this age-old industry that has been there for 100 plus years transform itself by leveraging these new digital technologies. And that journey continued through the Honeywell and the Hitachi and all the names, good names that you mentioned. And to today, the work that I'm doing in Kelvin, bringing in all that experience and knowledge and taking our customers to the journey of autonomous manufacturing, sustainable manufacturing in the future. As I listen to the words used to describe, I see on one side technology innovation, and on the other side, you mentioned clients, customers, users. And it's interesting to see you're at that intersection of the two, and thus chief product officer seems an apropos title for that. What stood out for me in all of your experience is this leadership and product management. So perhaps that's a theme we can explore really today. Let me ask a guiding question. What does product management mean to you? And probably more importantly, what are the hallmarks of great product managers? That's a great question. And it's kind of very personal question to me. Even if I'm running the product management, engineering, design teams today, in the heart, actually, I consider myself as a product manager. To me, product management is as much of an art as it is science. It's the art of making decisions about something which does not exist today as a product or a feature in a product. However, I believe that to be successful in product management, there are a couple of key fundamental traits that every product manager has to have. The first one to me is customer empathy. As you mentioned, technology and customers, everything else is noise. We need to understand why the customer is having a specific problem and what they need versus what they want to be successful as a product manager. If you cannot understand your customer needs, then you will never be able to build a product that your customer will use and in fact, believe in it. So customer empathy to me is one of the most important and a fundamental trait to be successful as a product manager. The second aspect to me is about the decision-making. The decision-making has to be data-driven. It has to be outside in by understanding the market, understanding the customer behavior, understanding the competitive behavior on in which industry, in which vertical you are playing, what is the differentiation that you're trying to create. There's a lot of data to be gathered, but at the same time, if you are building something new, the data may be limited. I mean, if you're working on a version 1.0 of a product, which you always end up doing if you're talking about transformation, it's about the data that you can gather as much as possible, but at the same time, using the intuition based on your experience that you have to make the right decision. That combination of data and the intuition to me is the art of the product management. But I cannot say a product manager can be successful without stressing on the point that to be a strong product manager, you need to have strong communication and evangelism skills. It's very important as a product manager to clearly articulate the customer problems and the market problems and the needs to your internal teams like engineering 
who are relying on you actually to provide them the data and the context behind your product strategy. And on the other hand, you also need to clearly communicate your product strategy, your product roadmap to your customers, sales, marketing, your internal and external partners, gather feedback and continuously calibrate in an agile fashion your roadmap based on the new data and information. So communication to me is another key aspect of a successful product manager. And last but not the least, and this is where a lot of good product managers, even though they are following all the good, all the right steps, the three steps that I mentioned right now, they fall into this particular trap, is I strongly believe that to be a successful software product management leader, you need to focus on getting the product out in the hands of the user as quickly as possible versus getting into this rabbit hole of creating a perfect product, which is version 1.0 which may take 18 months or 24 months to get it out in the market. I would focus on getting the wireframes, the mockups, an MVP, a minimum viable product, a minimum viable feature in the hands of the users very early in the lifecycle to get the early feedback, calibrate, or pivot even, than to wait for many months to get the product out in the hands of the user, only to see that my market advantage is gone or I focused on prioritizing the wrong features. I would say these are some of the key traits that I have learned over the time that makes a product manager a successful product manager. Very good list. Uh, my own summary here, customer obsessed, data-driven, evangelistic, and I'd say pragmatic with a high sense of urgency in terms of the, the four. I know you've got a lot of great experience, a lot of great companies, and I really want to kind of drill into Kelvin. So, But I've got to ask, in 2013, you joined Cisco, overseeing the product management for their IoT cloud offering. And of course, for all of those that were part of that era, it was a significant time because Cisco was the internet of everything, which is an absolutely great marketing mm -hmm. campaign. What were some of the key lessons you learned during that time and especially relevant to this positioning? It's funny you remember that time about 2013. It's almost a decade now. And it suddenly hit me while you were speaking that I'm much older and more gray haired now actually working in this particular area. So yes, you're absolutely right. This was a time of internet of everything with over 25 billion devices, IoT devices to be connected to internet by actually this year, 2022. That prophecy that was made in 2013 is almost true. And we are seeing actually many billions of devices already connected to the internet only to grow to like 50 plus billion devices in the next five years or so. Edge computing concepts during that time was fairly new. And my team actually they worked towards launching the world's first edge computing stack at Cisco. And there was this whole hype just before this recording. We were talking about this whole hype of edge and fog computing and how it will go, you know, eat away the revenue of the cloud computing, which was a bit of an exaggeration for me, actually, at that point in time. And now I'm glad that we have now learned our lessons over the year through multiple POCs, POVs, and going through some production instances. Now we have learned that. It's not that Edge is going to eat the cloud or vice versa. They both have a space. And Edge and cloud computing, to me, are more complementary. And if you have to scale, we are talking about this distributed computing concept and the open systems from Edge to cloud connected with each other. And that is the right way to scale going forward. But if I have to divide my time at Cisco, I would broadly divide that into two phases. My first focus at Cisco was more about focusing on the data plane, if you may and bringing in some new insights and analytics and building new products and businesses for Cisco. So just that you know, about 50% of the world's data flows through the Cisco network. The first part of my job was to actually understand 
how Cisco can tap into this network data to provide, say, for an example, user behavior analysis or analytics on the business performance through machine learning and big data analytics. I'll give you a very small example. When you go to a Best Buy, even if you are not connected to the Best Buy Wi-Fi network, your smartphone is always pinging the available Wi-Fi routers. Your smartphone has a unique ID, which is called MAC address. The Best Buy or any retailer for that matter where you visit actually can easily tap into that network data to understand how many times this smartphones, hence you, came inside the store through triangulation. I can understand which section of the store you are dwelling in. That means where you're spending more time. If you are connected to my network, I can know if you opened up something like, say, Amazon.com in my store, meaning that you are doing some kind of a price match. Can I use all this information and this data and send it to a store manager who can give you a real-time offer of, say, 10% off on an appliance or a TV to convert you immediately as a customer? That's a huge value prop. That's a huge way of actually thinking about a different way of thinking about how you convert a user into your customer by actually understanding their behaviors. Similarly, we can know patterns based on the network data coming in from various sensors that are connected to the network to understand how and where people are spending time in the store or maybe in the factory floor or in a smart city or smart venues for that matter and give them uh, various types of business and user analytics. So that was the first focus of that. The second area where I focused on, I would say, is more on the IoT network plane. I spent time leading the core platform uh, product management for Jasper Wireless division, which was Jasper Wireless was an acquisition by Cisco. Here, my focus was predominantly on the IoT device connectivity, building and subscription management for over 100 million plus IoT devices globally. I would say if I have to summarize, my biggest learning at Cisco has been that experience of that correlation between the network and the data plane that allowed me to kind of help me personally in my future work. And that's the same kind of an experience that I'm applying today on the work that I'm doing at Kelvin, bringing in that information about the network, the data, and now even the control systems together to close the loop. That's a great way to weave the story together. I'm dying to jump into the Kelvin topic. But I got to stop you at one more point, and that is you had the top product management role at Honeywell in 2019, obviously one of the granddaddies of industrial control. So you were chief product officer for the Connected Industrials Division. Tell me a little bit about what your role was, maybe some of the key wins, and then let's jump into Kelvin. That was good. So I would consider Honeywell as my continuation of the work that I've been doing at Cisco around industrial IoT. And of course, after that, of my work at Hitachi, my team actually built and launched the Lumada platform to not just transform Hitachi globally, but also their own internal divisions, but also the customers working with Hitachi right now. So that was a huge experience. And it was a continuation of work at Honeywell, although at a bit of a larger scale, from the responsibility point of view as a chief product officer for the Connected Industrial Division. But I would rank my time at Honeywell as one of the toughest, yet one of the most rewarding so far. I'm talking about a time where three months into the new job in 2020, we were hit by the pandemic. And it actually fundamentally changed our as well as our customers' view on how to run the business and why the digital technology adoption is key to navigate through these multiple challenges the businesses face during that time. 
and honestly are still facing and going through those pains at this point in time right now. So if I were to divide my job at Honeywell, I would say that there were two parts of the job and the focus was there and I would call out some of the successes there. The first part of the job was to actually transform the existing product portfolio to be more software and licensing driven rather than services and projects driven to avoid the cyclical nature of the business. You know, we getting hit by the pandemic also meant that a lot of projects which were there in the pipeline, they dried off. How can we avoid that cyclical nature? At the same time, how can we diversify the company through the software and the digital approach beyond oil and gas, beyond just the key verticals that Honeywell has been focusing around, say, mining and chemicals and oil and gas only, and which had the maximum exposure during the pandemic. That meant we had to make some very tough decisions on continued investments on the products, which we're getting actually as a long tail in the portfolio. And at the end of it, even with the macroeconomic pressure due to the pandemic, we were successfully able to grow by double digits and almost doubled our operating margins, which was a huge, huge success for us to actually secure the future investment. So that was the first part of it. The second aspect of the job was to actually not just harmonize the existing and transform the existing product portfolio, but also focus on launching new products in the space of remote operations, in the space of connected worker to help our customers fundamentally transform the way of doing the business. And at the same time, help Honeywell become, I would say, move towards a higher margin business of SaaS applications and ARR business. The strategy worked and we saw some huge wins in a very short amount of time. So if I have to summarize this, I would say these are the two fundamental areas where we see tremendous success in Honeywell. And we are still seeing actually, even after I have left and joined Kelvin, they're still continuing this particular path right now. Nice, nice story. And man, what an influential time. You're absolutely right with the pandemic. It's interesting. We often discuss our portfolio of companies we've invested in, all obviously industrial IoT, but all of them fared well during that time. And we came down to this pattern that everything we invest in is probably really remote asset management. And, you know, it's the killer mm-hmm. use case, right? And in some Mm -hmm. sense, you were forced to have to do that during that time because you couldn't send people out into factories and out to uh, equipment. And so in essence, across the industry, it really was what we've often called the great digital accelerator, at least of OT. So you're absolutely right. Actually, just to call out actually on that particular aspect, we used to say that how can we allow our customers to actually run their factories from their home? How can we allow them to actually run their factories from even a Starbucks? That was the whole intent of actually creating this digital thread and the technology that will allow our customers to actually get into this behavior when, as you mentioned, people cannot go into the factory. It's a very thin crew that can go inside the factory and manage the production. And that production itself is dynamically changing because the supply and demand needs are actually ever evolving during the time of the pandemic. So great learning. Yeah, yeah, true. Remote access went from a nice to have to a must have, right? And so (laughs) a lot changed very much during that time. And as we say, there's a new normal and I doubt any of it's going back to the old patterns there. So speaking of new normal, you joined Kelvin as chief product officer in May of 2021. Tell us a bit about the company and your remit there. Yeah, absolutely. So See, in my previous experience in launching the products in the industrial IoT space, the first steps in helping the customer see the value of digital technology has been predominantly around solving the problems of IT and OT convergence, getting access to the data, providing open loop data analytics, recommendations to resolve issues, 
and even automate some of those workflows for the application users, like how can you automatically create maintenance tickets or digitize some of the SOPs or operating procedures for the field workers and help them while they are doing that particular job. For me, as part of the innovation, the natural next step for me was to actually take this knowledge and experience to move to more towards closing the loop with, in, with the controls plane, not just focus on the network and the data plane in an open loop, kind of a recommendation and analytics only, but actually moving towards closing the loop with the controls plane to enable autonomous industrial operations. Think about it. If the company is working in the autonomous vehicle space, if they can automate the driver operations, can we take similar concepts and learnings to automate some of the complex operations in the manufacturing space? At Kelvin, we are focused on this aspect of the software stack. We are providing our customers with a collaborative controls software platform that helps them automate their industrial operations by leveraging the concepts of industrial IoT, AI, machine learning, RPA, and edge and cloud convergence. You may have noticed that I stressed on the term collaborative control, which is a key aspect of the product. We are here not trying to replace an engineer or an operator in the manufacturing floor or a production facility through the advanced automation. In fact, the key to autonomous operations for us is to first have the ability to provide a single source of truth to the production engineers, to the control engineers, to the operators on the health of the assets, health of the process and their systems for them to understand whether within the given constraints their production facility is able to meet the dynamically changing production and sustainability goals and KPIs. And where are the bottlenecks, what's causing an issue and how I can resolve them. Once these engineers have this single source of truth, this digital lineage, this digital thread, the software then allows them to communicate and collaborate in real time with each other to understand the root cause of the issue, tag data, tag interesting events, perform root cause analysis, simulate complex optimization scenarios, and even automate some of the closed loop controls decision to improve their operations. Every interaction with the software creates a training set that allows the software to become more intelligent over time in predicting failures, providing recommendations to resolve the issues and even automating them all without the need to upgrade their existing industrial automation stack or going through complex bespoke projects, which will lead nowhere across the organization. We are giving the power of modern AI-driven automation back to the hands of the engineers and operators and creating this assistive technology that will one day lead us to sustainable and autonomous manufacturing operations. And that is a pretty long answer, I know, but I hope that gives you a good perspective of why I'm so passionate about the space and why I joined Kelvin to build this innovative product and an ecosystem around that. The answer is interesting because it paints the vectors you brought in earlier about the internet of everything and the internet network access and how important that was. And then clearly on the control side, and in some sense, it feels like you're merging all those together. I know this is going to be very oversimplistic, but you know, robotic process automation for OT in some sense, right? Which mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense because a lot of process automation works up through traditional ERP systems and business processes. In fact, the best ones do, right? And looking at technology layers to help, in essence, 
bridge that, but also automate that, especially using AI techniques or optimization techniques, I think makes a lot of sense. I'm surprised nobody else has been doing this before. So tell me a little bit about some of the early use cases and wins that your clients have seen using Kelvin. See, the good thing is that the work that we're doing at Kelvin is not some moonshot vision that is a couple of decades into the future. This future of autonomous and sustainable manufacturing that we're talking about is happening right now in front of us. And the current strain that the pandemic has put on our supply chain is only leading to the acceleration and the adoption of this particular technology. I'll give you an example. We have a very forward-thinking customer in Australia who, who is operating thousands of oil and gas wells in the Cooper Basin. They are automating their production processes by optimizing the operations of various artificial lifts like beam pumps, plunger lifts, progressive cavity pumps, which has led to significant cost savings and production uplifts for them. The more interesting aspect is that by automating some of these processes, they've been able to reduce fugitive methane emissions by as much as 53% in some of those wells, which if you ask me is huge when you look at the scale of the operations. We are talking about millions of metrics of tons of fugitive methane emissions saved from entering the environment. And this is another aspect of our company and the product strategy. We are building this company, this software, to do good for the environment we are living in. We have this concept of this double bottom line impact in the company that focuses on helping customers improve their production and productivity, which definitely helps their bottom line. But at the same time, it helps them become more sustainable and meet their net zero initiatives. Combining these two aspects helps our customers easily justify the ROI in partnering with us. I'll give you another example. We have another customer, which is one of the largest service providers in the world of energy exploration, development, and production. They are currently using Kelvin software to optimize and automate many aspects of their fracking operations from grilling all the way to the completions. In fact, they have standardized their complete North American fracking operations on Kelvin and are running 50 plus optimization and autonomous control application on our platform. This has led to the bottom line impact of approximately $100 million for them in the last couple of years through productivity gains and reduction in truck rolls. Now, this is a great success story of digital transformation, according to me, which is done right, where the customer is seeing tremendous value in this joint partnership with us. These are just a couple of examples out of many customer engagements we have globally, where we are working with some of the largest companies in the world in process manufacturing verticals like oil and gas, across upstream, midstream, downstream, chemicals, mining, food and beverages, CPG, and pharma, helping them optimize and automate their production workflows, where engineers working in these companies are using the tools provided by Kelvin and combining their expertise with the intelligence of the software. You know, it's interesting. I think you guys are one of the most impactful OT companies that most have probably never heard of. Kelvin was introduced to us probably about a year ago and started to hear a little bit more people telling me, you really ought to pay attention to this company. And of course, we've gotten closer to it and have supported the company in several different ways. But I must say, you're so quiet. I would think you'd almost as a Swiss company, <laughs> you know, maintaining a big presence, but very quiet. So hopefully your leadership on the product side will help bring a lot more visibility to the great work that you're doing and the great impact you guys are having on ESG goals, if you will. 
We mentioned several times in the conversation about the edge, and particularly the industrial edge. And perhaps as a you know, kind of final question, it would be great to have you put your prognosticator hat on for a moment and give us a sense of what you think the next several years hold for this thing we call the industrial edge. We talked about that in the previous conversation, that how the last few years have been more about edge eating the cloud. The good thing is that that argument is now settling down. One has to realize that edge and cloud computing are complementary to each other, not competing. It's especially true in case of the operational data in a factory floor. It's a fact that in the next few years, over 90% of the operational data will be connected and processed at the edge in a distributed environment, connected via Ethernet, Wi-Fi, or 5G network. And this is going to create new technological paradigms. But if I have to summarize, I believe that there are at least three areas which I would highlight where we will see new innovation in the next three to five years. The first to me is the innovation in the space of distributed computing and machine learning at scale at the edge. Beyond just provisioning and management of the edge devices, I'm talking about the ability to connect, process, filter, analyze real-time streams of data in an unsupervised fashion at scale. This data could be the operational data coming in from the machines or the sensors or even video sensors, which require complex computational analysis at the edge. We'll see more and more companies follow this route where, where we are doing the unsupervised learning, especially with the new connectivity paradigms coming in, new compute paradigms coming in around CPUs and GPUs becoming more proficient and the hardware itself becoming more cheap and more powerful to be actually deployed at the edge. The second aspect for me is around the cybersecurity, which is really important. The technology stack is evolving. We are moving towards the concept of interconnected cyber physical systems. The current security solutions have to be re-architected to support such a distributed cyber physical architecture. So this is another area where we will see more and more industrial edge devices and the edge computing play a role in the space of cybersecurity, securing the data, the assets, the information from the bad actors for that matter. The third area that I would highlight to me is more around the enterprise and the operational workflows. They have been sitting there in the cloud for a long time and with all the new changes and the compute paradigms actually shifting on the edge side, we will see more enterprise and operational workflows move towards the edge. I'll give an example. If you are able to process and analyze data at the edge, can you allow the edge systems to automate decision-making and close the loop? Think of RPA or robotic process automation happening at the edge. Another example is actually uh, around the workflows related to augmented reality or AR on the factory floor. Now that the 5G technology can mitigate the issues of latency, we can think about integrating workflows related to connected workers at the edge where a field worker should be able to receive contextual enterprise and operational data while going through the operating procedures like doing inspection, doing maintenance, or doing some other job in the field for that matter. So more and more enterprise and operational workflows are definitely going to move towards the edge as the compute paradigm shifts. So these are three highlights I would actually say in my experience that we will see how the edge is going to evolve for the industrial customers. Oh, very insightful. I must say we had a deep dive today for one of our clients on edge computing futures and such. And you've not only highlighted some of the aspects we discussed, but also provided really some deeper insights on aspects of this, especially around this idea of RPA at the edges, as you call it. So 
Look, mm-hmm. um, in closing, I always like to ask a final question. That is, you know, where do you find your personal inspiration? <laughs> the personal inspiration for me comes in many ways, to be honest. I believe strongly in learning from the doers in the space of technology and digital transformation. So I like to actually listen, read, and learn from the people who have done this to some aspect of it. Maybe if it is in a different vertical or an industry, some interesting work happening in the industrial space, interesting work happening in the healthcare or financial sector for that matter. What has been done, where the industry is headed? Can we bring in some of the learnings from the enterprise and the consumer world into the industrial world? So I would say I read a lot. That's number one. It's not just the books, but the articles and even hear some of the podcasts, including this Digital Threat Momenta podcast, actually, that we talked about right now. Really impressive, actually, to learn from the people who are working in the same or similar kind of challenging environment and actually are leading the transformation for those companies. That is my inspiration all the time. And you know what? When I'm looking for some other type of inspiration, I ended up buying a 70-year-old Ford Mustang a while ago, and that has taught me a lot of patience to actually fix it, only to get it actually broken down in the next two weeks to again fix it. So if I want to actually go and learn more about the patients, I go and fix my Mustang. <laughs> I grew up with <laughs> Fords myself. I think we have found on road dead, fixer repair daily, you name it, I'll apply. But I tell you, I loved working on some of the older Mustangs. So it's down to the metal, as they like to say, right? In in terms Mm -hmm. of simplicity. So I can completely relate to you both on the observer of patterns in terms of the reading, but also we'll call it a very traditional architecture in terms of Ford Mustang. So, well, look, Sahail, thank you for sharing this time and these insights with us today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to hearing how this podcast comes out. Oh, well, actually, I believe from what I have heard up to this point, it will be one of our best listened to. So this has been Suhail Jawani, Chief Product Officer at Kelvin AI, a company helping industrial customers to simply and quickly scale control applications that create sustainable business value. Thank you for listening, and please join us next week for the next episode of our Digital Thread podcast series. Thank you, and have a great day. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Thread podcast series. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion, and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at momenta.one for archived versions of podcasts, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.